Good evening, and welcome to Nighty Night with Rabia Chaudhry. Bedtime stories to keep you awake. I'm DJ Lubell, the show's producer. Tonight's tale is about a woman whose personality is, let's just say, quite infectious. Please enjoy Cure. A thick fog of human sweat clouded the room. Pain radiated from body parts and muscles that had long lay dormant, now forced into use. Cries of anguish and whimpering pleas blended into a deafening hum of agony. Bodies cracked and groaned as they bent into unusual positions, some releasing gases and odors usually restricted to the privacy of a bathroom or held for the driver's side seat of an otherwise vacant car. Shame was left to those that lacked focus. The almost unbearable heat created a suffocating blanket of sweltering hot air. The atmosphere felt almost toxic. Yet, everyone in the room had paid to be there. This was what they signed up for. This was hot yoga. I had only been teaching the class for about a year when I first met Mallory Oliver, a thin, wide-eyed woman with a passion for healthy living. She was eager to learn and aggressively open to new ideas about bodywork. She had come to my class like many others via a flyer on the corkboard in an organic smoothie shop. Sweat out your imperfections. That was my catchphrase. I made sure it was the most prominent message that I hung in every health-related business for 25 miles. From the co-op to the bike shop, the place that seemed to hook the most new students was sun-kissed smoothies. As a frequent consumer of wheatgrass shots, I found myself there no less than three times a week. Admittedly, I'm very outgoing, so I'd always try to strike up a conversation with my fellow patrons. More often than not, my yoga pants and the mat slung over my shoulder would draw some friendly conversation. My sales pitch would go like this. Hot yoga is great. I really feel like I've unlocked a new level of being. It melts the tummy fat that hides the abs that everybody's already got. Which is true. Everybody does have abs, you just can't always see them. Usually I try not to reveal that I'm the instructor when we chat. That way it's less awkward if they're not into it. There's also less pressure to show up if they do have an interest. People don't like pressure, even if they are into the idea, so I just direct them over to the flyer and let them decide on their own time. I also like that it's a fun surprise when they realize that I'm going to be the one leading the class. It starts the relationship off with a connection. They feel like they already know me from Sunkist, making me their de facto class buddy. This is also how I retain clients, by making it more than a class for them. I like to think I've created a community of like-minded individuals, all with a similar goal of self-improvement. It's like a sweaty book club for your body. And I've made some real friends this way. Current clients and past clients alike, I have met some incredible people that I have gone on to form meaningful relationships with. Honestly, it's how I've met some of the most special people in my life. But then again, it's also how I met Mallory. No, no boost. I'm not confident I know what they put in it. Mallory snapped at the teenager laboring behind the register at Sunkist. It's just vitamin C, ma'am. Ma'am? From the back of the line, I watched the cashier struggle to recover from the unintentional insult. Sorry, I just... He stuttered. Mallory softened for a moment, realizing that others were watching. 
It's fine. I just don't know where they sourced it. No offense. I'll add my own boost, she said with a smile. As she paid, Mallory made an extra effort to show off that she was tipping with a $5 bill. She glanced over and smiled. And I smiled back. After ordering my usual fruit blast with immunity boost and wheatgrass chaser, I made my way over to the pickup counter. Mallory was hunched over her large faux designer purse, digging through it. She pulled out a small orange bottle and shook it. I brought my own, she said, looking over once again. I shrugged. Oh, cool. I just go with what they offer. You should really research it. They sneak all kinds of toxins in under the guise of vitamin supplements. An overworked teenager carried a large smoothie to the counter and called Mallory's name. She slung her purse back over her shoulder and hurried over to get it. Without making eye contact, she asked, Can I get a second straw? As the teenager held out the straw, Mallory pulled the lid off and dumped in some grainy powder from her orange bottle. She then removed the straw from her lid and used it to stir the powder in. All without looking up at the teenager, she tossed the straw she just used to stir into the trash, then grabbed the new straw from the teenager's fingers, ripped off the paper, and shoved it into her smoothie. You're welcome, offered up the teenager. Thanks, she muttered back. At this point, I chose for once in my life not to engage. Unfortunately, though, Mallory had other plans. Pilates, she asked, motioning at my mat. Yoga, hot yoga, it's great. She cut me off with, where do you go? Before taking a large suck at the straw. I thought long and hard about whether or not I should point her to the flyer. Before I could answer, she walked past me and said, cause I've been looking at this place, pointing at my flyer on the wall. Yeah, that's, that's my class actually. I'm looking for a new nook, you like it? She asked, reading the schedule printed at the bottom. I do, I nodded. Do they challenge you? Because my last place was a little mild, if you know what I mean. They do, I nodded again. Just then, I got an opportunity to escape because my name was called from the counter. I hurried over, grabbed my order, thanked the uninterested teenager, and started my way towards the exit. Against my better judgment, I called out, Nice meeting you to Mallory, just in case she ever showed up to a class. She spun around quickly with a look of distress. You going there now? I paused at the door and nodded. She took another long suck at the straw, struggling with the coagulated thickness inside her cup. She noticed that I was noticing. If it's watery, that means the sugars haven't bonded to your supplements, she explained, and then took another labored suck and let out a dramatic, ah, just how I like it. The awkward air between us was long and uncomfortable. Even the teenagers working behind the counter sensed it and stared in awe at the silent standoff. I made my move. Okay, then. See you around. See you in 20, she said with a wink. I have a coupon for that place anyway. I knew we didn't offer coupons, but it wasn't the time to argue. With another polite smile, I walked out the door and hurried to my car before Mallory could follow. I buckled in, turned the key, and took a long sip of my watery smoothie. Minutes before the class, Mallory was nowhere to be seen. The rest of the students were already stretching and hydrating at their mats. Relieved, I shifted my attention from the front door to one of my older clients, helping her with her posture. As everyone quietly took their places, I took one last swig of water and checked the temperature of the room. 105 degrees Fahrenheit. Perfect for hot yoga. Okay, class, I started. I'm sorry, shouted Mallory, throwing open the doors and letting in the cool air. She scanned the room for a place to fit in, but with everybody already arranged, she found herself stepping over people in search of an open area. 
Uh, I think you can squeeze into the back corner, I offered up, trying my best to hide my annoyance. It was then that she noticed that I was the one leading the class. With a quick wave of recognition, she threw down her mat and dropped her water bottle loudly next to it. Despite her dramatic entrance, she was relatively subdued for the rest of the class. Other than a couple of exasperated groans, Mallory was less disruptive than her energy would have you expect. As the class went on, I made my rounds and helped some of the newer clients with their poses. I kept an eye on Mallory, hoping she was as experienced as she hinted at. Luckily, she was. Even some of the more challenging poses she seemed to nail. I was impressed. The class ended without incident and Mallory made her exit without so much as a wave. I didn't take it personally, and honestly, if she didn't come back, it wouldn't be too much of a loss. No skin off my teeth, no sweat off my back. But she did return, for the very next session. She stumbled in two minutes late with the same chaotic energy as the last time. This trend continued for another two weeks. Sometimes she would make it right as a class started, while other times she would miss the warm-up entirely. I'm not a big fan of confrontation, so I probably put off speaking to her a little longer than I should have. After one class where she managed to make it in only moments before we began, I finally decided to bring it up. Realizing that I'd never really spoken to her after our first meeting, I had to get her name from the sign-up sheet. Mallory, right? She wiped the sweat from her brow with the back of her hand, smearing a thick layer of makeup that covered her face. Now, some people like to look good no matter what they're doing, so a little makeup in a workout setting wasn't exactly unusual. What struck me about Mallory, though, was the sheer amount of foundation that she had applied before an exceptionally vigorous activity. It was cakey and gooey from the sweat that seeped out from beneath it. The dark circles under her eyes had been revealed when the sweat washed them clear. Beneath the soft mask that appeared to be melting off of her face, she looked tired. We met at the smoothie shop, she said, as if she expected I had forgotten. Right, I remember, I assured her with a forced smile. Listen, I want to check in with you about your availability. Are you changing the class times, she asked, dabbing her face with a damp towel and unintentionally removing even more of the makeup. No, no, in fact, the class times are kind of set. It's just important for everybody that we start when we're supposed to. Part of the experience is the ritual of it. Mallory stared back at me, unblinking. I cleared my throat. <clears throat> so uh, I wanted to know if that creates an obstacle for you. She continued staring. Or are there obstacles that prevent you from being on time? I asked timidly, ready for her to snap back. She thought long and hard, squinting and looking into the corner of the room. Nope, not that I can think of, she smiled, oblivious to my insinuation. She wiped her face again and revealed more of her skin. Gray flesh peeked out beneath the smear. My breath caught looking at it. There was nothing natural about the color of her skin. Are you, are you feeling okay? I asked. She bent down to pick up her styrofoam smoothie cup and sucked at the straw. Never better. Okay, well look, not everybody is built for this kind of workout. If you're feeling, I struggled for the right words, unwell or strained by the unwell, like sick, she interrupted. I was losing control of the conversation. My mouth hung open, the right words refusing to come out. Because I don't get sick, actually, she said with confidence. She leaned in close and whispered, I'm actually taking something that boosts my immune system. I'm basically superhuman. The stuff in your smoothies, I recalled. She looked over her shoulder as if she were worried someone might overhear her. No, that's different. 
I just started it, so I can't vouch yet, but this other product, this stuff is legit. So legit, you hear a lot of misinformation about it. It's an ancient remedy that boosts your immune system. It can ease chest congestion, and it actively prevents bacterial and viral infections. Even like HIV and herpes, they just don't want you to know about it. Who's they? The government. Then how how did you hear about it? Wait, what is it? I asked, realizing I had stumbled into a conversation that I had no desire to be in. All I wanted was to ask her to show up on time to class. Instead, I was getting neck deep in a discussion on conspiracy-backed miracle cures. She leaned in close, too close for comfort, and said in a dramatically hushed voice, Colloidal silver. I read about it on the internet. She then stepped back, confident and clearly excited to have shared her secret with me. I didn't know how to respond. I'd heard of the stuff mentioned in some odd health blogs, but only as an off-market dietary supplement. As far as I knew, it was just tiny particles of silver floating in water that people would drink to shed pounds. I should have disengaged, but instead I asked, Isn't that illegal? Nope. FDA says it isn't medicine, so it's fair game. For once, their ignorance is actually a good thing, she laughed. But then suddenly she became very serious. Do you want me to get you some? She asked loudly, no longer hiding the conversation. I must have taken too long to answer because her smile faded. I saw my way out. No, no, thank you. I'm okay. She shifted her posture, but didn't respond. She was on the defensive now. I collected my thoughts and just cut to the chase. Look, I'm sorry. I I wanted to talk to you because when you show up late, it can be a distraction to other people in the class. I paused to let her respond, but instead she just stared and her gaze hardened. I know we say it's a suggestion to show up 15 minutes before start time to stretch, but if you could just think of that as the actual start time, it would be helpful. To everyone, yourself included, I smiled, hoping to soften the message. After what seemed like an eon of awkward silence, she snapped, I'm sorry, I didn't realize being on time was considered late, and then bent over to pick up her things. Without another word, she hurried towards the door. I thought maybe I should stop her to clarify what I meant, or at least try to end the conversation on a more positive note, but instead I just let her leave. If she wasn't going to make it on time, I figured it would just be better if she didn't show up at all. After the way the conversation ended, I assumed she wouldn't be returning to class, but I was wrong. The very next week, she returned, walking through the door a full two minutes before the start of class. Strangely, she was already perspiring. I had assumed that in her rush to make it on time, she actually broke a sweat. I took it as a sign she was trying. Honestly, I was just happy that she was situated by the time I began. It wasn't ideal, but I thought that she would at the very least be less of a distraction. Again, I was wrong. I first noticed the smell around the second pose. I had wandered back towards the back of the class to help steady an older client who had trouble with her balance. Mallory was maybe a good 15 feet away when a sickly odor seemed to envelop me. At first, I wrote it off as a normal release you can sometimes encounter in classes like this. But as I neared Mallory, the smell became more intense. At first, I wasn't sure she was the source, but when I noticed the reactions of those around her, it became obvious that it was coming from her. The smell reminded me of rendered animal fat that had rotted and been left for a day to congeal. I know that's pretty specific, but I happen to know that awful smell from experience. My college roommate took up soap making to help pay for her books. What started as an innocent hobby became her full-time job in between her liberal arts classes. She would render beef fat that she collected from local butchers in a crock pot, cooking it for hours until she was left with nothing but clean tallow. 
One time she got distracted by a looming final and left the fat in her car for an entire day. She was too poor to replace it and desperate for supplies, so she decided to try and render it anyway. She filled up her multiple crockpots and set them to high before rushing off to take the final. Afterwards, she went out drinking with friends for hours, leaving the rotten fat to render in our dorm. I wasn't even the first one to smell it. The unfortunate soul who managed to trace the horrendous odor back to our room was the RA, a pre-med student who I heard changed her major after encountering the stench. When I got back from class that day, she met me at the door with a t-shirt wrapped around her face, screaming for me to open our room. The moment that I did, the stench of rancid fat washed over us. The odor hit us in layers. A thick mat of sour fat under a sweet smell of cooked flesh oozing between sharp stabs of rotten egg and boiling mold. It was so foul we both retched as soon as the door swung open. It was months before we got that smell out of the room. It had seeped into everything. My roommate and I had to throw out our bedding, clothing, and everything else that had absorbed the haunting rot. It was a stink that stayed with me for years, hiding in my nostrils, waiting to return every so often just to remind me of what hell must smell like. It was a smell that induced instant nausea and immediately gave you a dull, fuzzy headache just from pure repulsion. It was the worst smell I've ever encountered in my entire life, and it was something very similar to what seemed to be wafting over from Mallory's direction. Sarah, one of my more skilled students, was the first to get my attention. Her eyes were wide with panic, silently pleading with me to do something. It quickly became obvious that something was not right as other students were thrown off balance by the distracting smell. The closer I got to Mallory, the more the room began to dissolve in a dizzying distortion. I found it hard to focus on the floor in front of me. Suddenly, Anne, an older student, collapsed just behind Mallory. Now look, at hot yoga, it isn't totally unusual for somebody to faint, but when Pam collapsed in front of Mallory also, I knew something wasn't right. Unfortunately, before I could do something like stop the class or call 911, I felt the room around me implode in a dark cloud that blacked out my vision. I felt myself fall to the ground, drowning in the muffled panic around me. I eventually woke up to paramedics standing over me. Even though four of us had passed out and many more could attest to the smell, the emergency crew decided that we had all fainted from excessive heat. Whatever we smelled had mostly dissipated by the time they arrived. There was little left of the nauseating odor that had hit me like a ton of bricks, and apparently Mallory was long gone by the time the first responders arrived. After things settled down and the room cleared out, I noticed Mallory had left some things behind. Feeling slightly better, I wobbled over to Mallory's spot. An odd sheen covered her mat. Curious, I crouched down to touch it, but I regretted it immediately when the oily substance stuck to my finger like old snot. Whatever that was, she left a lot of it behind. I immediately thought back to the odd glaze of sweat that seemed to cover her entire body even before the class began. At the time, I thought maybe she came to class already warmed up. But now, it was clear that this was something else. Whatever it could be, I had no idea, but that incident took a toll on me. I needed some time off, so I sent out a message online and posted a sign on the door that yoga classes were cancelled until further notice. In that time, I thought a lot about Mallory and what had happened in the class. She had left so quickly the paramedics never had a chance to check her out. Whether it was malicious or not, she had done something to make a lot of people sick. 
I felt guilty for placing the blame on her, but every time I played the events back in my mind, it became more obvious that she was the cause, and she was the only one in that corner of the room that wasn't affected. I had so many questions and nothing but time to obsess over the possible answers. The only problem was I had no idea how to get in touch with her again. The information she signed up with was less than useful. The address she used was a P.O. box located out of state. I tried calling the number she left. The first few times it just went to voicemail and eventually I got the message that the number was no longer in service. It seemed for a time that wherever she was, she didn't want to be found. I came up with all kinds of stories about her whereabouts and maybe what happened that day. I thought maybe she skipped town because she knew she was responsible for making so many people sick. Or maybe she was the victim of some kind of biological weapon test, a pawn in a deep state conspiracy that targeted healthy, mostly left-leaning women. Or maybe she wasn't human at all. Maybe she was an alien life form that had started decomposing. Or maybe I was spending too much time on the internet. Everything surrounding the events that day, the inexplicable odor, the authorities' unwillingness to believe our story, that sticky substance left behind, and the sudden disappearance of Mallory, it led me to the conclusion that I was never going to get the answers that I was looking for. It also made me believe that I'd never seen Mallory Oliver again. But then, on a Wednesday afternoon, I went to Sunkissed Smoothies for a wheatgrass shot, and beyond all expectations, there she was. I saw her strolling out, smoothie in hand, right through the front doors as if nothing had happened and everything was fine in the world. I stopped in my tracks on the sidewalk, and then I started following her, staying behind so I could observe her without being seen. At a distance, she seemed fine, normal, even. Me, on the other hand, I was secretly following a woman I barely knew. This was not normal behavior, not for me at least. I decided maybe I just needed to stop being a creep and say something. But the moment I opened my mouth, she froze. Her back was to me, but it was as if she sensed my presence. At least, that was what my less-than-rational brain was telling me at the moment. For some reason, I hid, ducking behind a recycling bin that had been left out. I waited, peeking around the corner, expecting her to be looking around for me, but instead, she was looking through her purse. She was frantic in her search, juggling her smoothie in one hand while digging with the other. Eventually, she gave up and dropped to the ground. She set down her smoothie and purse and began pulling out items, placing them on the sidewalk next to her. As she excavated her bag, she removed some sunglasses, her wallet, and a familiar orange bottle. I recognized the small orange tube as the one she had with her at the smoothie shop, the one she kept her personal boost inside of. Eventually, she found what she was looking for, her keys. But in the rush to repack her purse, she knocked the container to its side, letting it roll towards the gutter. Mallory was too wrapped up in her own chaos to notice the orange bottle's escape. Suddenly, she stood back up and turned to the door that she had stopped in front of, searching for a specific key, and then she opened the door. I saw the small orange container by the gutter and realized I had my in. This was my chance. After a quick search of the directory, I rang her door. She answered with a cheerful, This is Mallory. Hi, Mallory. Is Cynthia from yoga. I was just passing by and I saw you drop... I began saying, but before I could finish, the door buzzed open. As I stepped inside, I could already see her at the end of the hallway, hanging out of her door. She waved and smiled, lingering just inside the threshold of her home. Oh my god, how are you? She asked while I was still half a hallway away. 
As I approached, I could already feel warm air emanating from her apartment. I waited until I was close enough to not shout, I'm good. More importantly, how are you? I'm fine. I'm great, actually. Why? She smiled. I held out the small orange bottle for her. I was about a block away when I saw you drop this. Thanks. Is class starting up again soon? Well, that's actually what I wanted to talk to you about. Oh, I thought you just saw me drop this and were bringing it back, she asked, holding up the bottle. Well, yeah, but then I realized I hadn't seen you since. Well, you know what happened. I do? Well, you were the only one to not... I chose my words carefully. To not get sick. She cocked her head to the side. I didn't get sick because I never get sick. I just left when y'all started to drop like flies, she laughed nervously. I'm not a fan of doctors, so when the paramedics got there, I bounced. You didn't feel off that day, I asked. Nope, I told you, I don't get sick, she insisted. Because of the colloidal silver stuff? No, I stopped taking that stuff a little while ago. It had some side effects, nothing bad, just stuff I didn't expect. She trailed off, absentmindedly touching her face. Her makeup was thick as usual, caked in a layer over her face. Then she snapped back to reality. I'm just taking the booster now. That's all I need. The stuff in the orange bottle, I asked. She lit up. Yeah, why? Are you interested? I didn't say no. Do you want to come in? I can show you, she offered, opening the door wide. Well, I do have to pee. Can I first use your restroom? Sure, come on in. First door on the left, she smiled. I entered her apartment and immediately regretted my decision. A wave of warm air enveloped me as I stepped inside, as did sudden claustrophobia. Boxes of supplements, pills and jars labeled in every language but English lined her hallway, stacked to the ceiling. The place was packed to the gills with cardboard boxes full of off-market supplements. A mixture of odd odors permeated the air. Musty cardboard and the sulfurous smell of decaying thiamine emanated from the boxes. I had a flashback of the noxious smell from that horrible day. I was filled with a sudden desire to leave, but she had already disappeared into the living room. The moment I entered her bathroom, I encountered the kind of mess you'd associated with a person who lived on their own for the very first time and never had to clean up after themselves. The counter was covered in half-empty orange bottles like the one that I had just returned to her. I counted no less than six of those organizing pill boxes, each one filled with a rainbow of various capsules and pills. I saw an empty bottle labeled colloidal silver in her overstuffed trash can. The toilet itself looked relatively clean, but the seat had an odd sheen to it. Against my better judgment, I leaned in close, and I realized it was the same strange oily substance that I had found on Mallory's mat. It was a good thing I didn't really have to use the bathroom, but I flushed the toilet to make it sound like I had. When I returned to the living room, she was already seated at a table with a sales display set out in front of her. A small orange bottle was at the center of it. A subtle yet familiar odor drifted out to meet me at the doorway. The scent of curdled fat, sickly sweet with a hint of fermented bile, immediately brought me back to that day. I couldn't tell if it was from the bottles of unidentified substance or her. I had my suspicions it was both. I felt a dull headache creep in and my vision blurred. Mallory's eyes darted back and forth, almost manic, between the bottle and the sales material she had laid out. She picked up her smoothie and sucked at the straw. Then she slid forward a laminated infographic showing various plants and a map of an exotic location, all in poor resolution, pixelated on the paper. Have a seat! 
I'm sorry, I'm not feeling well, I said, waving a hand in front of my face. The stuff kind of reeks. What do you mean, she snapped? I don't smell anything. I thought she must be lying. Maybe she was fighting the overwhelming odor swirling around us, or maybe she had lived in it so long she no longer smelled it. I could see the sweat begin to bead on her face, rolling down the caked foundation through the cracks in it. Woozy, I stepped backwards and stumbled over another cardboard box full of stuff. I lost my balance, only to catch myself on a chair. Oh, I'm sorry, I keep it hot in here. You need to hydrate, though. Let me get you some water. That way you can try the booster, too. She stood on unstable legs and wobbled past me towards the kitchen. As soon as she left the room, the smell subsided. I could hear cabinets open and close and a glass ruckus clanked in the kitchen. I pushed myself up and over to the table. I looked for any kind of real information among the pamphlets and bottles she had laid out. I couldn't recognize any of the ingredients. They were listed out like something you'd read in a witch's spell book, next to pictures of tropical plants and exotic flowers. Everything was listed as all natural, but none of it sounded familiar. The only one I recognized was cantharidin, or, as the older creeps call it, Spanish fly. A gas station aphrodisiac made from crushed up beetles. I'm pretty sure it's illegal now. I can also swear that a few of the words were even made up. Everything about this booster substance reeked of a scam. And in that moment, the smell came back into the room. Her voice startled me. This booster is the most amazing thing. It has seriously helped me cut weight, and I haven't been to the doctor since I've started taking it. I feel better than I have in my whole life. I turned to see her standing in the doorway, glass of water in hand. Her breath was heavy and labored. Sweat was now soaking into her shirt, and the makeup around her eyes had begun to run, streaking down her face. I got you some water, she smiled. The smell made me push backwards, and my knees weakened. Something isn't right. It's making you sick, I mumbled, falling onto the ground. Her now bloodshot and swollen eyes squinted into two slits. She was angry now. I told you, I don't get sick. Please, it isn't safe, I pleaded, trying to stand. I read the label, that stuff's toxic. She lurched forward, water sloshing out of the glass as she dumped some of the powder in. Just try it, some. You'll see, you'll feel better. As she neared, so did the rotten stench permeating from her pores. The room started to blacken around me and my head was throbbing. Get away from me, I choked out. She reached out, ready to force me to drink. I pushed her backwards. She tumbled and collapsed to the ground. I heard the sickening crunch of broken glass. Shaking my head, I tried to rattle my brain into gear, my blurred vision focusing on Mallory laying face down on the ground across from me. I watched as she pushed herself up. A mixture of blood, water, and sweat had washed the makeup from her face. A deep cut from the broken glass produced an oozing red current of blood. The crimson was bright and vibrant against her pale, graying skin. The side effect of colloidal silver was now on full display. She looked like a corpse. She reached up to her face and felt the gooping mess of makeup and blood running down her cheek. Don't look at me, she screamed. I can fix it. This stuff can fix what the silver did. She crawled towards the open bottle of her powdered miracle cure, its contents spilling onto the dirty carpet. My body convulsed and I vomited onto the floor. Panicked, I pried my phone from my pocket and tried to dial, but the lock screen didn't recognize my face, contorted from pain and revulsion. Frantically, I jabbed at the screen, desperately trying to dial 911 as the darkness clouded around me.
I woke up hours later in a hospital bed. I was in the quarantine wing with two other beds nearby. I later learned that they were paramedics that had initially showed up. While three of us experienced the full exposure of Mallory's miasma, others were affected as well. By the time the police and more paramedics arrived to find us three blacked out on the floor, Mallory was long gone. When the authorities investigated, they found her apartment full of illegal supplements and banned remedies based on archaic folklore. They traced many of the boxes back to a supplier from overseas, but other than taking down the website, there was little they could do. When I explained what had been going on with Mallory, how her skin looked, how she smelled, the doctors at the hospital believed that her conditions were the result of freak chemical reactions from combining a dozen strange supplements. Her gray skin, they theorized, came from the colloidal silver she had been ingesting. It was all conjecture, of course, because Mallory herself had disappeared. Patient X couldn't be examined. The real mystery, though, was why others around Mallory got sick. Why, weeks and months after the day I was passed out on her floor, I still suffer from blinding headaches and bouts of nausea that make me black out. I started spending my days and nights online, looking for answers. What I found were stories, none substantiated, that seemed more like urban legends even, that told of people who began emitting toxic fumes from their bodies that affected others around them. But there was no medical explanation for any of it. Over time, instead of decreasing, new symptoms began popping up. I started getting pangs of pain in my lower back, which had never happened before. Every morning when I woke up, my ears rang with a tinny sound. Sometimes my nostrils would flood with a noxious odor, as if Mallory were somewhere just within reach. My face began to go sallow and dull, the skin drying out and peeling painfully. I could have sworn it started to look gray. Doctors had no answers for me and I couldn't find any online either, but I did find hundreds of people on web forums and chat groups that were all drawn together for the same reason, because we suffered from all kinds of weird symptoms that doctors failed to cure. We bonded together, shared our miseries, became medical sleuths, and determined to help each other heal. Conventional medicine had failed us, but there were people around the world who had discovered miraculous cures for all kinds of ailments cures from remote regions found in healing plants and minerals that were unknown to most of the world. Cures that they now sold in bottles and shipped right to your door. And so, night after night, credit card in hand, I clicked buy over and over, hoping that one of these bottles would hold the healing to the disease that Mallory Oliver had left me with. This week's story is based on the mysterious and tragic death of Gloria Ramirez, a woman from Riverside, California, who was dubbed the toxic lady by the media when several hospital workers became ill after exposure to her body and blood. Around 8.15 p.m. on the evening of February 19, 1994, Ramirez was brought to the Riverside General Hospital emergency room suffering from severe heart palpitations. When Ramirez responded poorly to initial treatments, there was an attempt to defibrillate her heart. It was then that multiple people reported seeing an odd, oily sheen covering her body. The strange film was accompanied by a fruity, garlic-like odor that seemed to be emanating from her mouth. Shortly thereafter, what should have been a routine blood draw turned out to be anything but, and the events that followed were far stranger than anything the experienced staff had ever seen. 
When registered nurse Susan Kane attempted to draw blood, she noticed an unusual ammonia-like smell coming from the tube. It was then that she passed the syringe to her associate Julie Gorchinsky, a medical resident. Gorchinsky reportedly noticed strange manila-colored particles floating in the blood sample. It was at that moment that Susan Kane passed out and had to be removed from the room. Almost immediately after, Gorchinsky began to feel nauseated and lightheaded, leaving the trauma room to sit at a nurse's desk. When a staff member asked if she was okay, she too fainted before she could respond. Respiratory therapist Maureen Welch was the third person to lose consciousness after being exposed to Ramirez and the strange odor. An emergency evacuation of the entire department was ordered. While a skeleton crew of survivors stayed behind to stabilize Ramirez, despite their best efforts, she was pronounced dead from kidney failure related to her cancer at 8.50 p.m. All in all, 23 people became ill and five were hospitalized as a result of exposure to Gloria Ramirez. Theories on her death range from mass hysteria to a meth-related smuggling mishap within the hospital. One theory put forth by the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory was that Ramirez had been using dimethyl sulfoxide, a solvent normally used as a powerful degreaser, as a home remedy for pain. Those that have dared try this substance report that it has a garlic-like taste. You can find this unreliable and untested remedy in gel form at your local hardware store. The theory is that oxygen administered by paramedics would have combined with the dimethyl sulfoxide to form dimethyl sulfone. Then the electric shocks administered through the defibrillation would have converted that into dimethyl sulfate, a highly toxic form of sulfuric acid. Exposure to it would have caused some of the reported symptoms, but not all of them. Gloria Ramirez would not have been the first person to experience a strange side effect as the result of an untested miracle cure or home remedy. Paul Kerrison took a homemade silver chloride colloid and rubbed a solution of colloidal silver on his face to treat problems with his sinuses, dermatitis, and acid reflux. If you've seen a photo of Paul, you'll know immediately which side effect he suffered from. You see, after taking his home remedy for many years, his skin had gradually taken on a gray-blue tone, much like that of a Smurf. Another blue-skinned man was Stan Jones of Montana, a libertarian candidate for the U.S. Senate back in 2002 and 2006. The odd coloration of his skin was showed prominently in media coverage, and when asked about it, Jones explained that his consumption of colloidal silver was a self-prescribed measure undertaken in response to fears that the Y2K problem would make antibiotics unavailable. But that, of course, never happened. Regardless, there are still people today that consume untested and unregulated products under the guise of miracle cures, home remedies, and last-ditch efforts to ease pain. For some, though, the need to fix it themselves far outweighs those risks and the numerous unknown side effects that, all things considered, are often far worse than the ailment itself. It is their blind trust in these scientifically unsound treatments that is honestly the scariest part of it all. Tonight's tale was written by Jay Richardson. Nighty Night is executive produced by Rabia Chaudhry and Colin Thompson. It's produced by DJ Lubell. It's sound designed and edited by Anton Doty. 
Original music by Andrew Gerlicher. Nighty Night is a cast original podcast.